Hello, and welcome to the Night Sky Guide for July. This is Andrew Jacob, and I'm the curator at Sydney Observatory, part of Sydney's Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences. Come on a tour of the night sky with me. Learn what stars and constellations are visible, where to find the planets, and what special events are happening overhead this month. To make the most of this guide, you should begin by gathering a few items together. Firstly, you will need a star map. You can download a free one from Sydney Observatory's website, where you'll find it in the Astronomy Resources section under Monthly Sky Guides. The star map will show you what stars and constellations are visible in the night sky this month, and I'll be referring to that star map in this guide. As well as the star map, a torch with a red LED or one covered with a few layers of red cellophane will be very useful. The red light will allow your eyes to remain dark adapted during the evening, yet still allow you to read your star map. Finally, a pair of binoculars or a telescope can be very handy. They're not essential for following this guide, but if you do have them, they will help you see a few of the fainter objects more easily and in more detail. Now that we have our equipment together, we need to know a few directions and also how to measure angles across the sky. You can find the cardinal directions, north, south, east and west, from a compass app on your mobile device. Or just remember, of course, that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And if the sun is setting at your right shoulder, then you must be facing south. Another useful direction to remember is the zenith. This is the point directly overhead. Find your way around the night sky. It helps to know how to measure angles across it. It makes no sense to say, for instance, that one star is two centimetres to the left of another, or that a shooting star left a trail half a metre long. Instead, we should use angular measurements. The distance around the horizon, from north through east, south, west and back to north, is 360 degrees. And from the horizon, vertically upwards to the zenith overhead, is 90 degrees. But how do we measure smaller angles? Well, despite the great variety of human form, our fingers, hands and arms are all pretty much in the same proportions. If you hold your hand out at arm's length and stretch out your little finger and thumb to make a handspan, they span an angle across the sky of about 20 degrees. A fist held out at arm's length makes an angle across the sky of about 10 degrees. And a finger held up at arm's length is about one degree or twice the width of the moon or the sun. I'll be using these measurements during this guide. So a handspan at arm's length is 20 degrees, a fist is about 10 degrees, and a single finger is about one degree across the sky. One final point to note before we get started. The Earth rotates, and so the sky changes hour by hour. My descriptions of the constellations and stars in this guide fit the time of one to two hours after sunset. And in July, the nights are long and cold, so please dress for the occasion. Let us begin our tour of the night sky by looking towards the south. If you're facing south in the early evening and you look high in the sky, 60 degrees or three handspans up from the horizon, you should be able to see two bright stars almost side by side, about three fingers' width apart. If you're in a bright, light-polluted location, such as central Sydney, they may be the only two stars you can see in that direction. 
away from the city and other bright lights, they'll be the brightest pair of stars you see towards the south. These two bright stars, side by side, are known as the pointers, so named because they help us find the Southern Cross by pointing towards it. We'll get, get back to the cross soon. On your star map, the pointers are clearly labelled. The Southern Cross is officially known as Crux, which is Latin for cross. The brighter of the two pointers is called Alpha Centauri. The other one is called Beta Centauri. Alpha Centauri is the third brightest star in the night sky, while Beta Centauri is the tenth brightest star. Alpha Centauri is a very interesting star. Although it looks like a single star to your eye, it is in fact a group of three. Two stars are so close your eye cannot separate them, and the third is too faint to see. Through telescopes, the two close stars are usually visible. Both are very similar in size and colour to our sun. They're orbiting about each other, with each orbit taking about 80 years. The third star in the system is called Proxima Centauri, and it is the closest star to the Earth, after our sun, of course, but it's too faint to see by eye. Proxima Centauri is a red dwarf star and is only visible through large telescopes. It's believed to be orbiting the first two stars. Proxima Centauri is about 4.2 light-years away, or approximately 42 million million kilometres. Recently, a planet was detected in orbit around Proxima Centauri. This makes it the closest planet beyond the eight in our own solar system, a very tempting target to send the first interstellar spacecraft to. But that's for the future. A moment ago, I mentioned light-years. What is a light-year? It's a measure of distance, even if it sounds like a time. If you have a torch, shine its light into the sky for a moment. The light from your torch travels incredibly fast. In just one second, it goes almost 300,000 kilometres. That's seven and a half times around the Earth, or almost the distance to the moon in just one second. In fact, in just one and a quarter seconds, your torchlight would reach the moon, 380,000 kilometres away. In eight and a half minutes, the light would reach our sun, 150 million kilometres from Earth. And after five hours, light from your torch would pass Pluto. Finally, after one year of time, your torchlight will have travelled one light year of distance. Yet we still haven't reached the next nearest star. Proxima Centauri, our closest star after the Sun, is about 42 million million kilometres away from us. Your torchlight would take about 4.2 years to reach it. So we can say that Proxima Centauri is about 4.2 light years away from Earth. This also means that we see Proxima Centauri, the star, as it was about 4.2 years ago. We are looking into the past to see everything in the universe. So a light year is simply a distance, and one light year is about 10 million million kilometres long. Now, let's get back to the night sky. We'll return to Alpha Centauri. If you draw an imaginary line from Alpha Centauri to the right through Beta Centauri, the other pointer star, and onward, you'll reach the Southern Cross. Well, nearly so. 
the line you've drawn passes just above the cross. At first glance, the cross may look like a triangle, but the fourth star soon becomes clear. In July, the Southern Cross is at its highest point in the sky, standing upright and looking just as it does on the Australian flag. In fact, our flag can help you identify the shape of the cross in the sky. The Southern Cross is very useful as it can help us find the direction of true south. Hold your hand out at arm's length and measure the length of the long arm of the cross using two fingers, from the top star of the cross to the bottom star. Now, measure this distance downwards four times in the direction the long arm of the cross is pointing. After measuring four times downwards, you should find yourself pointing at the sky about halfway between the cross and the horizon. This point is called the South Celestial Pole, the South Pole of the sky. It's the point in the sky about which all the stars appear to rotate over the course of the night. In contrast to the Northern Hemisphere, where there's a North Star, here no bright star marks the South Celestial Pole. It's just an imaginary point in the sky. And now, if you drop a vertical line from the South Celestial Pole straight down to the horizon, you have found the direction of true south on the ground. Here's something interesting you can do if you have a camera that allows you to leave the shutter open or an app that allows you to make star trail photos. If you take a photograph of the sky to the south, including the South Celestial Pole, and leave your camera shutter open for 10 minutes or more, you'll find beautiful circular star trails in your photograph. Look back at the Southern Cross. The brightest star of the cross, the one at its foot, is called Acrux. It's labelled with the Greek symbol Alpha on your star map. Moving clockwise around the cross... We come to Mimosa on the left, then at the top of the cross, Gacrux, and finally on the right is Delta Crucis. Acrux, at the foot of the cross, is another multiple star system, like Alpha Centauri, but this one is about 320 light years away from us. Mimosa on the left is about 108 light years away. If you have binoculars, Use them to view Mimosa. Now, the star itself is not too interesting, but look just to its left and you will see a small sparkling group or cluster of faint stars in the shape of a triangle. Astronomers call this type of object an open cluster and this one is named the jewel box. It's a group of young stars, not more than 15 million years old, about 5,000 light years away. This cluster looks much better through any telescope when stars of different colours, red, yellow or just plain white, are seen. If you have an eye for colour, you may notice that Gacrux at the top of the cross is orange. It is a cool red giant star, much larger than our sun. It's only 88 light years away, so it's the closest of the four main stars of the Southern Cross. The Southern Cross appears on the Australian flag, of course. The flag designers did a very good job of representing the Stellar Cross. The two axes are slightly skew, and there's a fifth star 
which appears fainter in the sky than the four stars I've just named, and therefore smaller on the flag. This fifth star is called Epsilon Crucis. It appears on your star map between bright Acrux and Delta Crucis on the right. Surrounding the Southern Cross is the constellation of Centaurus, the centaur. His front leg is the pointer stars. His back arches over the cross, and his back leg hooks down to the right of the cross. A centaur is a half-man, half-horse creature holding a bow loaded with an arrow. His head and upper body lie above the pointers. But if you can make out the features of a man's head and torso here, then I admire your imagination. Just above the centaur's back is a wonderful object called Omega Centauri. It's labelled on your star map, but you'll only see it by eye if you're in a completely dark site, far from artificial light, with no moon up, and if your eyes have adjusted to the darkness. From a bright, light-polluted area, you will need binoculars at least to spot it. Omega Centauri is a globular cluster of stars, a ball-shaped group of several million stars, tightly packed and about 16,000 light-years away. There are over a hundred of these globular clusters scattered around our Milky Way galaxy, but this one is the largest and brightest. Well, that covers the southern sky. Let's now turn to the west. To orient your star map to the western sky, rotate it so that the horizon labelled west is at the bottom. The constellation of Leo the Lion, one of the constellations of the Zodiac, lies very close to the western horizon. Its brightest star, Regulus, meaning Little King, is about a hand span above the horizon at around 6.30pm. However, it sets around 7.30pm this month. Regulus is a hot star, a hundred times brighter than our own sun, and about 77 light-years away. Above Leo is another zodiac constellation, Virgo. This figure is associated with the Virgin goddess Astraea of the Greeks and also with the Greek and Roman goddesses of wheat and agriculture, Demeter to the Greeks and Ceres to the Romans. Her human form is hard to make out in the sky, but the constellation's brightest star is Spica, at about 60 degrees, or three handspans, above the western horizon. Spica is Latin for ear of wheat, and Virgo holds this wheat, perhaps fresh from the harvest, reflecting the theme of agriculture, but also of fertility. The two stars, Regulus and Spica, lie on a line that crosses the sky called the ecliptic. You can see it drawn in your star map as a dashed line. This line, the ecliptic, marks the apparent path of the sun through the sky, and along this line you will also find the planets and our moon, but more about them later. Let's now turn to the north. Again, rotate your map so north is at the bottom of the map. You'll notice an orange-red star due north, about 37 degrees, or just over one and a half handspans, above the northern horizon. This is the star Arcturus in the constellation Boötes, the herdsman. But once again, his human form is difficult to make out. Finally, we turn to the east. 
face due east, hold out your arm and measure three handspans plus a fist upwards to make 70 degrees above the eastern horizon or almost overhead. You should see a bright orange-coloured star. Again, to orient your star map, rotate it so that the horizon labelled east is at the bottom. The map should now match the eastern sky in front of you. I've noted the colours of several stars so far, but I remember having great trouble seeing colours in stars when I first began looking at the sky. So if you don't see the colours I described tonight, don't worry. This star, almost overhead, is called Antares, which means the rival of Mars, because of its reddish colour. It's an enormous red supergiant star, around 400 times the diameter of our sun. If you placed it where our sun is, it would reach out through the solar system and engulf the Earth. Antares is about 604 light-years away from the Earth. It's a star coming to the end of its life. It will eventually die by exploding in a cataclysmic supernova, destroying itself in the process. However, it's so far away that this will have no effect on the Earth, although it will be a spectacularly bright sight. Unfortunately, it will also be a few hundred thousand years before this happens. Antares is the heart of Scorpius, the Scorpion, one of the few constellations that really looks like its name. If you have your star map with you, hold it up towards the east, with the east horizon at the bottom as I described earlier, and locate the star Antares. Just above Antares, you'll see a short arc of stars which represent the head and shoulders of the Scorpion. Look back past Antares and out to the right. You will see a curving arc of stars reaching across to the right, the Scorpion's body, then an arc of stars hooking down and back to the left, his tail. At the very end of his tail, you can see his sting quite clearly. Finally, here's a constellation that really does resemble its name. Let's move on. Below the sting of Scorpius is the constellation Sagittarius, which is supposed to represent an archer in the form of a centaur, but I've never been able to see an archer, let alone a centaur, when I look at this set of stars. All I can see is a rather triangular teapot. On your star map, Sagittarius is highlighted as the teapot. Can you see the teapot pouring tea all over the tail of Scorpius? Just off the tip of the teapot is an interesting point in the sky. If you're away from bright city lights and you've been outdoors for more than 15 minutes or so to allow your eyes to adjust to the darkness, you might have noticed the Milky Way stretching overhead. It's a band of faint Milky Light stretching from the Southern Cross past the two-pointer stars and continuing overhead through the tail of Scorpius, through Sagittarius and finally down to the eastern horizon. The centre of our Milky Way galaxy lies just above the tip of the teapot, not far from the sting of Scorpius. It's a good thing we're out here near the edge of the Milky Way galaxy and a long way from the centre, because at the centre of our galaxy, 27,000 light-years away, lies a very large black hole over 4 million times the mass of our Sun. We're quite safe from it, out here towards the edge of the galaxy. 
If you haven't already succumbed to the cold, and if you have binoculars handy, here's your observing challenge for July. Slowly scan the region of Sagittarius, Scorpius, and over to the Southern Cross and beyond. In this region, there are many open clusters, like the Jewel Box, globular clusters, like Omega Centauri, multiple stars, like Acrux and Alpha Centauri, and nebulae, like the Orion Nebula we met in January's guide. It shouldn't take long before you discover at least one of each for yourself. Now we've completed our tour of the sky for July. What are the special events and highlights in July 2020? Let me first note that all the times I mention here are in Eastern Australian Standard Time, or the time a clock would show in the Eastern States. Please make the appropriate adjustments for your time zone where necessary. This month, we see our solar system's largest planets, Jupiter and Saturn, at their best, and also all five naked-eye planets in the morning sky. And we say bon voyage to the latest fleet of spacecraft as they launched on their way to Mars. Let's begin, as usual, with the moon phases. The month begins with a full moon on Sunday the 5th at 2.44pm. Last quarter moon falls on Monday the 13th at 9.29am. New moon this month is on Tuesday the 21st at 3.33am. And finally, the first quarter occurs on Monday the 27th of July at 10.32pm. The moon is the brightest object in the night sky when it's up, no matter what phase it's in. It's well worth observing its changing phases or looking closely at the craters, planes and other features with binoculars or, or a telescope. But to get the best views of the Milky Way and the constellations, it's best to avoid moonlit hours. How can you do this? If the moon is between new and full, we call that waxing, Wait for it to set before observing the Milky Way and stars. If the moon is between full and new, or waning, observe before it rises. You don't need a daily list of rise and set times. Just watch the moon for a few days and you'll soon learn to predict its behaviour. In July each year, Earth reaches its furthest point from the sun, or aphelion. This year, this occurs on Thursday, July the 4th at 9.35pm. At that time, Earth will be just over 152 million kilometres away from the Sun. The evening planets to look for this month are Jupiter and Saturn. You may already have spotted them, Look east after about 7pm for the brightest star above the eastern horizon. This in fact is not a star, but Jupiter, our solar system's largest planet. More than 10 Earths placed side by side still wouldn't span the diameter of this huge planet. About a fist width below and slightly to the right of Jupiter is our second largest planet, Saturn. Saturn, whose rings look spectacular, even through a small telescope. 
Saturn is much fainter than Jupiter at this moment in the year, yet the pair together are quite distinctive, hovering there in the eastern sky. Both planets reach what we call opposition this month. Jupiter on the 14th and Saturn on the 21st. Opposition simply means they are directly opposite the Sun in the sky. Or, in other words, that Earth, moving in its orbit around the Sun, has passed directly between the Sun and each of these outer planets. In fact, if you were on Saturn on July the 20th, this alignment is so, so precise that you would see Earth transit across the face of the Sun, much as we saw Venus transit across the face of the Sun from Earth back in 2004 and 2012. In the morning sky, look for all five naked-eye planets this month. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter and Saturn are still up in the morning sky. They're above the western horizon in the constellation Sagittarius. Mars is high in the northern sky in Pisces, and it's a reddish colour, of course. Venus is low in the northeast and extremely bright and white in colour, quite unmissable. Mercury is very low and close to the eastern horizon from the middle of the month onwards, and it's always the most difficult of the planets to identify. One way to identify each of the planets is with the help of the moon. If you're up early and take a look at about 6am each morning, the moon will be your guide to each of the planets. On Tuesday the 7th, a nearly full moon is in the western sky and close to Jupiter. The following night, the moon is a little higher and it's just above Saturn. On the 12th, the moon is high in the northern sky and very close to reddish Mars. By Friday the 17th, a now crescent moon is low in the eastern sky and just to the left of bright Venus. And with a bit of luck and a very clear eastern horizon, you may just be able to spot a very thin crescent moon just to the left of Mercury. Of course, the definitive way to identify a planet from a star is to look for it to move. If you observe a planet's location for a few days or weeks or months, depending on the planet's distance from us, generally the further the planet is from Earth, the longer the time span over which you would need to watch it. And planets, by the definition of the word, wander past the fixed stars of the constellations. What else is happening in July? Every couple of years, Mars and Earth are in the correct relative positions in their orbits to allow a quick and cheap flight to Mars. Three spacecraft are scheduled to launch this year, in July. NASA's Mars 2020 rover, complete with its own drone. China's Global Remote Sensing Orbiter, which includes a small rover. And the Alamal, or HOPE orbiter, developed by the United Arab Emirates and a couple of American universities. All are due to launch in July, 
and due to arrive at Mars in early 2021. And that wraps up the special events for July 2020 and brings us to the end of this July 2020 Night Sky Guide from Sydney Observatory and from me, Andrew Jacob. And this also brings us to the end of this series of podcasts for the foreseeable future. We're exploring some exciting new visual formats to keep you in touch with the southern sky. And we'll be introducing these soon, so please keep an eye out on our social media channels for announcements. So from myself, and on behalf of Mel and Jeff, and our whole Powerhouse support team, we thank you for your devoted attention and ongoing support. We hope you've enjoyed our monthly tours of the southern night sky. Thank you for listening, and I wish you clear skies until we return.